Good morning, everybody. Old history here. It's been about a month since my last podcast. I'm sorry. I've uh, ended up putting it off and forgot about it. Just got just been busy the last couple Saturdays. Anyway, uh, some news. The August 22nd event, which was going to be the opening of the time capsule for the 150th anniversary of Hamlin County, has been suspended um, due to COVID-19. And as far as I know, with the other committee members, um, we believe that the events is going to be put off until next year, which would make it the 151st anniversary. But uh, you can keep up with that on the Old History Facebook page. I'll share updates as I know them. So today's podcast is just going to be kind of a short one, um, but an important one nonetheless. I wanted to take some time to talk about the Trail of Tears. So on May 28th, 1830, the Indian Removal Act was signed into law and would go on to force the removal of almost 60,000 Native Americans. Now, President Jackson, who is a known veteran of quite a few excursions and attacks against the Natives, emphasized his desire to remove the Native people from their homelands. In his first inaugural speech in 1829, when he said, quote-unquote, to observe the Indian tribes within our limits, a just and liberal policy, and to give them humane and considered attention to their rights and their wants, which is consistent with the habits of our government and the feelings of our people. Only 14 months later, he promoted, uh, prompted Congress to pass the Removal Act, a bill that forced Native Americans to leave the United States and settle in Indian ter- uh, territory west of the Mississippi River, which we now know of as Arkansas, Oklahoma, uh, Kansas, so on and so forth. Now, during the trail, which was the trail from, I think, North Carolina was right at about a thousand miles. Uh, maybe a little more, correct me if I'm wrong. But Many Cherokee tribes banded together as an independent nation and challenged this legislation in U.S. courts in 1832. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Cherokees. President Andrew Jackson ignored the Supreme Court decision and enforced his Indian Removal Act anyway, and they pushed through the Treaty of New Echota. As the deadline approached in 1838, thousands of federal soldiers entered the territory and forcibly relocated Cherokees who were the last tribe to leave, with the exception of a few Seminole in Florida, uh, who were hunted, imprisoned, uh, raped, and murdered. Now, although there is no approximate number, it is thought that between uh, 10,000 to 15,000 native-speaking people uh, died along the 1,000-mile trip from their ancestral lands in the south to the new lands south of the Mississippi River. They were not allowed time to to give the dead a traditional burial, and many are buried in unmarked graves, uh, just in random places along the trail. Those too sick to continue were left behind. They were not allowed to stop and celebrate holidays or worship, only forced to continuously march into the American Midwest. Now, during the journey, a small band of Cherokee managed to escape the onslaught and found their way back to the Smoky Mountains, where in the late 1860s they gained recognition as the Eastern Band of Cherokee. 
and today they uh, their land is now recognized as Cherokee, North Carolina. A lot of important stuff happened then um, prior to the Indian Removal Act, uh, especially in Tennessee, which sits right in the middle of the Great Warpath. Our European ancestors, our settler, you know, the settlers faced uh, constant attacks because the Cherokee were, you know, were warring with other people. And then there were these new, strange looking people that were just invading their home, taking their land, hunting their food. Uh, so on and so forth so they attacked them you know and when you go back even earlier than that which would have been you know the 1770s 1750s 60s um really during the time of the french and indian war you find that the french sometimes bought and paid for scalps of other people uh, or vice versa could have also been, uh, the attacks could have also been a result of what is known as clan law or blood law, where, say, John Smith might have killed a native man and they couldn't, the, the native people couldn't find John Smith, so they done the next, next best thing and found John Smith's brother, Bob Smith. So they would kill Bob Smith as a way to get back at John Smith, you know, there's various, uh, various stuff like that. But in East Tennessee, uh, really, uh, Virginia and down around Mobile, you find in the early records, there were many, many raids by the native people upon the white, the white homesteads, uh, up here in, Morristown, one such account, they, several such accounts come from the Kaufman family, the, the Thomas Amy home in Rogersville, uh, that sort of thing. And they would build palisades, the white people would build palisades around them just to protect. But really, by the time that people started settling around this part of the country, Native people had already been pushed out further. Uh, such things when you go back to the Watauga era, they signed treaties and then broke them, you know, but there's a lot to talk about here and I could uh, get caught up in it for 30 or 40 minutes, you know, but I'm going to finish my coffee and I'll just leave it off right there and maybe we'll continue next Saturday. Y'all have a good